Good morning. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. I do want to welcome you here this morning. And Happy New Year. This is the first Sunday of the new year. I want to take this time to thank each of you for the many different ways that you showed love to Christy and I and our family. There were meals given. There was gifts of money. There was help with the children to and from school. Even packing lunches. And then there were the encouraging texts and prayers that were offered. And that means a lot. And I want to say thank you. This past week was a big week for us. We had evaluation for transplant. And uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday were fairly extensive, busy, running from the subways of the Mayo Complex to the 18th floor of the Gonda Building to the Charlton Building to the Eisenhower Building to one I can't even say. I'll really butcher it up. So we got to see the the strongholds of mail. Friday, uh, as probably most of you know, we got the good news that the scans and tests all showed good. It's all clear and uh, it's still our anticipation to move ahead with transplant. And with the encouragement of the doctors, this is their recommendation for uh, a better outcome, uh, something that maybe in their terms is what they call cured. It's They're hoping that we can put it on the shelf and leave it there. So that's going to be starting February 6th, and it looks like that first day... Um, They'll be giving drugs to enhance and boost the cells and for the cells to be released into the blood. And then four to five days later, there'll be a harvesting of the cells. And they have a target that they want to meet, and that'll determine the days that they harvest. And once that's all complete, uh, they'll be followed by a high dose of chemo to kill all the other cells that are in the body. And then thereafter is what they call transplant. So every day prior to transplant is a negative day. And every day after transplant is a positive day. That's how they view it. So it looks like we'll be in Rochester probably for 21 to 28 days. And uh, we will see how this all goes. So 2020... We stand at the beginning of a new year, a new decade. What are your anticipations? Turn to second turn in your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter twenty. As I was considering what to share this morning, 
I wonder how many sermons are being preached this morning on having a 2020 vision. This is 2020. There are a few people in our midst that have had their vision corrected. And it does amaze me that something so delicate as the eye can be corrected. And having maybe even better than a 2020 vision. The Bible also says that where there is no vision, the people perish. Have you ever lost something and you couldn't find it? And you know it was there? Just ask my wife. On Friday, I literally had to tear some of the trim work off the inside of my van to try and find the parking ticket so that I could pay my parking fee when I go out. It had disappeared on me. And I knew where I had laid it, and it wasn't there anymore. It's frustrating sometimes when you can't find what you're looking for. There are things that we're going to probably, if we're honest with ourselves, that we are constantly always looking for. They may not be as tangible as our keys, our wallet, or whatever it is you want to fill in the blank, parking ticket. Maybe you're looking for success or acceptance. Maybe you're looking for love or friendship. Just saw this story over Christmas time. Story of three old men. Maybe you've heard this mm-hmm. one before. They had, they were um, visiting this this family, and this this uh, wife had noticed these three men sitting out at the end of their lane, and uh, sh- they inquired of her husband, and he wasn't there at the time, but they said, when he comes home, tell him that wealth, success, and love are here to see him. So when her husband came home, she said, there's three men that would like to see you. Wealth, success, and love. And uh, he instantly, his instant reply was, well, certainly invite wealth to come in because that's what I want. I want wealth. And she countered that and said, no, I want the success to come in. And uh, that's the one I want. And the girl in the next room, their daughter, overheard and said, she wants love to come in. And the father said, yeah, she's right. Go invite love in. So they went and invited the man with love. And they went in. And the other two men were following, wealth and success. And he said, well, I only invited love in. Well, wealth and success, wherever love goes, we follow. If you would have invited just wealth and success, you would have only got one. Where love is, wealth and success follow. 
When we find ourselves looking for something, where do we turn? We all want victory. This account here in Second Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat, he was the king of Israel, and he wanted victory. Let's read Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through verse 20. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and, and with them others inside the Amorites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be at Hazan Tamar, which is Agina. And Jehoshaphat feared, set him, and Jehoshaphat feared, and set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art thou not the God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art thou, art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, have built thee a sanctuary therein, for thy name's saying, If when evil cometh upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine. We stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sirah, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of it, the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziah, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Zeal, and the son of Matina, a Levite of the son of Asa, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king Jehoshaphat, thus said the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow... Go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cleft of Zit, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeroboam. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself. Stand ye still. See the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, for be di- nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. 
And Jehoshaphat bowed his head to the face, with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord and worshipped the Lord. And the Levites of the children of Kohathites and of the children of the Kohathites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. I'll stop reading there. And we could keep reading on and, and see how the Lord delivered. The battle was the Lord's and how he brought deliverance to them. It's interesting in reading through here, there in verse 10, Jehoshaphat makes mention of these three nations that have joined together to come against Judah. And he makes account to God that, you know, as the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, we could have taken care of them. We could have put them away. But you told us not to, not to destroy them. And now look what's happening. They are now becoming, they're coming after us to take away what you have promised us. Um, Jehoshaphat recognized that, you know, there was, God had a plan here. The timing wasn't right, but he had confidence that God was going to do something now. And he turned to God. He wanted victory. We want victory. We want victory maybe in a family situation. Maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe it's anger or bitterness. Well, here, in this account, the victory that Jehoshaphat got, received, was received by prayer. You want to start a new year? Start it with prayer. I want to give you four keys as we consider New Year's resolutions. Four keys that you can take with you. And as I mentioned, the first key is when the battle is at hand, pray. Jehoshaphat, I'm going to get tired of saying Jehoshaphat. I wish I could shorten it up. But Jehoshaphat was informed that these armies, three nations were coming up against him and they were only 15 miles away. And it mentions that fear struck him. Now, if you'd read previously, I think in 19 or 18, maybe even 17, it mentions how the armies, or the, yeah, the armies there that they had were mighty as well. Um, Jehoshaphat recognized that in the numbers that were coming against him, he was, he was at odds. <clears throat> what did Jehoshaphat do? Verses three to, to six. He calls the people together. 
to seek the Lord. And he inquires of the Lord, and he calls for a fast. He calls the people to fast. Not just the kings or the men that work around the king, the cabinet, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't just the men. It was everyone. It mentions little one, little ones, wives and children. He called everyone. I think there's value when we face huge battles that we share our battle, our burden with those around us to help shoulder the load. Prayer should not be an option, but prayer should be a priority. If we want to find victory in our families, in our children, in our finances, in our communities, in our church, prayer needs to be a priority. Prayer cannot be a last-ditch effort. There was an incident of a prayer or of a church that was having some struggles, <clears throat> and the pastor called the people together for a week of prayer. And one of the men was shocked and replied, "Oh no, has it gotten that bad?" Sometimes I feel that that's where I fall in. It has to get bad before prayer is an option. Instead, prayer, we should go to, to the Lord in prayer first and let Him do the work. For the Christian, prayer is life, is the, the life of the blood. Without prayer, we would die. Alice, maybe you can remember, tell me who said this, but I remember you quoting it. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. Who said that? Is it Bill? There you saw him there. I thought it was Bill Sunday, but. Very true. If you want power, you want victory, pray. God sometimes permits the staggering odds to come against us. Why? Is it to drive us to our knees in prayer so that we can rely on Him? Prayer filled with the greatness of our problems will shrink our faith. Prayer filled with the greatness of our God increases our faith. And I'll repeat that. Prayer filled with the greatness of our problem will shrink our faith. But prayer filled with the greatness of our God increases our faith.
Key two, be honest with God. See in verse 12 of our reading, Jehoshaphat came before God and admitted his weaknesses. He admitted his inadequateness that he had. God despises the proud. Our culture is geared toward you can do it. Stick at it. Try harder. At first you don't succeed, try again. And that's not all wrong in itself, but when it's done in the right way, or if it's done in the wrong way to promote yourself, that's where it's not right. Because we are to not give up. We are to continue to, at first we don't succeed, try again. But have a humble attitude about it. When we take matters into our own hand, we try to fix because I think my way is the right way. That's when the fixing becomes a bigger problem. Instead, we need to give up ourselves to God and let Him work whatever the battle, whatever the problem is, whatever the struggle is. How can God help you when you're constantly saying, no thanks, I'm okay? story of a father who was walking past his daughter's room one night and overheard her praying. She was saying the ABCs and was repeating them a few times. When she had finished, he asked her what it meant by saying the ABCs. And this was her response. God is really smart. And when I don't know what to pray, I just say the alphabet and he figures it out for me. It also reminded me of a video that Christy received soon after we she was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, it starts with a, a board with letters on And it says, Dear God. And then the next line says, I do. And then it erases it. And it says, I'm just. Then it erases it. Then it starts with I. And then it erases it. And then it starts again, I don't. And then it erases it. Then the next clip, it's all the letters being poured onto the board in a pile. And then it says, Amen. Then the next clip of that video shows God writing and says, Dear child, I know I love you. You know, sometimes when you're in the heat of a struggle, trial, you don't know how to pray. 
Maybe you need to just recite the alphabet. God can figure it out. Key three. When the enemy looks big, keep your eyes on Jesus. Verse 13. It mentions all of Judah stood before the Lord. And there it mentions everyone. They had their eyes on Jesus. On God. Joseph, Jehoshaphat had done a reform. He was a good king. He had made some mistakes earlier in joining an alliance with Israel and going to battle and almost losing his life, but has and then got... Uh, uh, what's the word I want? Got reprimanded by a prophet. Why are you joining sides with those that are evil? He comes back and he does reform, he does cleaning of the groves, the idols, and uh, sets the house clean, straight. And here's the biggest crisis. These armies are coming toward him. And we find him, this battle, looking big, and he's sitting there with their eyes in the right place. And it mentions there earlier too about the temple being built and this is a place to come. Um, I think it's verse 9. If evil comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence for the name in this house and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. Set your eyes on Jesus. When we keep our eyes on our problems, our problems will grow. And what may be a simple misunderstanding could turn into a huge huge monster and rob us of the peace that we could have. thought of an illustration... Someone tell me what happens when that is like that? Somebody in school age? Obviously saw that before. Come on, don't be bashful. This is the sun, this is the earth, and what's in between, the moon? We just had one. Solar eclipse. What happens when there's a solar eclipse? There's a shadow that comes across the earth because the moon is in the way of the sun. This may be somewhat of a poor illustration, but there is the sun 
there's the earth and there's an obstacle in our way. And it's, it's hindering that light that we can look at. It's hindering that light that makes things grow. Obviously, a solar eclipse is fast-moving and short, short-lived, but can our problems become like the moon and cast a shadow across our lives and hinder us from seeing the light that we need, that we, that we need to have to grow? It was also mentioned that sometimes our problems, well, they're there, and we need to know that they're there, but do a glance and then don't focus on them. If you focus on them, that's when you lose your 2020 vision of Jesus. Satan is our enemy. Satan loves when we focus on our problems. Jesus is the victor and gives us victory to keep our eyes on him. Key four is trusting God to deliver in His own unique way. Verse seven, Jehoshaphat is recalling and recounting how he recognized God, how he worked in the past. Art art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? He's He's recognizing God's sovereignty. Jehoshaphat, as a king, did not take the matter into his own hands like maybe some kings would, but went to the Lord and then he waited for the salvation of the Lord to be revealed. And God delivered the people of Judah from their enemies. part that I like best is verse 15. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king of Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 17, also the prophet Jehaziel said, you will not have to fight this battle Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you. Therefore, if you are battling, you're battling overwhelming odds today, realize that the Lord is fighting for you. The banner is hanging over his children. As we go into this new year, I'm certain that there will be battles. How much better is it to have the Lord on your side? I want to look at verse 20. And I don't know. It just it hit me this morning being this is 2020. And here is 2 Chronicles 2020. 
And it's somewhat of a very fitting verse for a new year. And there's a few points I want to pull out of this verse. And the first one is, and they rose up early in the morning. You want to start your new year out right? Rise up early. I know that's a matter of subject to definition on personality, but there's value in getting up early. You sleep in till I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna say time. You feel lazy. At least I do. But in the day and age we live, there's jobs, there's obligations that fall at all kinds of different shifts of the of the day. And I understand that you you switch that up and I've been there and I've done that. And uh but I think it's interesting here in verse 20 how it mentions that they rose up early in the morning and went forth. The mind is fresh. Believing in the Lord. Verse 20 talks about believe in the Lord your God. So shall ye be established. Believing part of it or all of it it's essential you want a safe and prosperous year here's the key the word establish in that verse there mentions established uh, my bible says could also be inserted with kept safe um, we like safety peace and safety that can come to a child of God comes by believing. So I trust this short meditation has been challenging to you as it's been challenging me as we stand at the beginning of a new year, 2020. God bless you as you serve Him in 2020.